Hello, everyone. It's Raquel Ark. It's time to work smarter and feel better together. Welcome back to Your Listening Superpower Podcast, where we explore listening as a superpower that transforms communication into connection, both at work and at home. Listen in on inspiring conversations with authors, scientists, and leaders that will open your mind about what is possible and give you communication tools for your leadership toolbox that you can use right away. Let's have fun discovering and growing our listening superpower together. With shrinking attention spans and nonstop interruptions and floods of information, how can we get people to listen to us? Today on episode 51, you will learn how with my guest, Joe McCormick. He is known for being on a mission to help organizations master lean communication. Joe is the founder of The Brief Lab and the author of two books. The first is Brief, Make a Bigger Impact by Saying Less, and the second is Noise, Living and Leading When Nobody Can Focus. He works closely in organizations with military leaders and senior executives, and he produces a weekly podcast series called Just Saying. In this episode, Joe gives great tips on how to communicate effectively so that others can listen to you with ease. He also shares fascinating stories that will help you have more impact with less words, which can help us work smarter and feel better at work. Let's have fun discovering and growing our listening superpower together. So welcome to the Listening Superpower podcast, Joe. It's a pleasure to have you with me today. So I always start off this podcast with a question that I ask all uh, guests, and that is, when did you first start to notice the power of listening, whether it worked or it didn't work? In the work that I do, I teach people how to communicate. And when you, people think about communication, one of the things, it's like, what do I want to say? But one of the things that I noticed early on was you can't summarize what you didn't hear. What happens in a, in a personal and a professional context is oftentimes we're asked to provide a summary. You, I go to a conference, I'm at a meeting, and other people aren't there. They said, well, what did you talk about? And if you didn't hear it, you can't summarize it. And that triggered in me like, oh, like how am I listening in that moment is part of my, a person's job, the responsibility. And if they're not doing it well, they can't provide the summary. That was for me the one of the early kind of triggers to, to dig deeper into, into the power of listening. And by the way, I love the, I love the title of the podcast because I believe it's true. It is a superpower. Yeah, and it's the quiet superpower. <laughs> You don't see it, you don't hear it, but it's there. <laughs> it's absolutely there, 100%. Can you think of a moment where this happened to you, whether whether you were the person who didn't think about summarizing or what led you to think, oh, I got to start doing this, or when someone did it to you? My background is I spent many years in marketing. I worked for a global marketing agency. I started my own marketing agency. And in my career for 20 years, I, one of the things that I did a lot of is just have conversations with clients. And when you talk to clients, you're talking about a lot of different things. And th th those could be like conference calls. And this is be way before Zoom and meetings. And, and at the end of the day, you have to like synthesize, okay, well, what, is their, what are their issues? What are their challenges? What are their opportunities? What do they want? What do they, what do they need? What are they saying? What are they really saying? And as you talk to people a lot, you actually, at the end of those 
moments you have to sit down and like write down like what do, what do we do what's a plan my client just told me something they gave me a direction did it make any sense to me was i even listening to it was i kind of fast forwarding or going you know i was i was in my brain was in a different place and the ability to take those notes after those conversations the the better the listening was the easier it was to take the notes the worse the listening was the more difficult it was and i started saying well you know what would make that a lot easier for me and my team is if I listened better. So I started, okay, putting more of an emphasis on the questions that I would ask and how was I paying attention and where I was getting distracted, things like that. And it made the the writing part after those conversations and those meetings and those discussions much easier. So when you start paying attention to what you were doing that would help you to write those notes better, what were some of those moments, like those aha moments or magical moments? You're like, oh, that, that happened. What just happened here? What, one of the big moments that I had is in, it actually comes from like journalism is if you think about journalists, they're professional listeners. So their job is to listen, but they're listening for a story because they're writing a story. So their listening is very tuned into, it's like listening is like seeing. What are you looking for? What are you, what are you looking at? What are you looking for? You're, you're seeking something. Well, you're listening for something. You're not just listening. Listening is one thing. Listening, and I, I, part of this is English, and, and many years ago I was an English teacher, but like you have phrasal verbs in English where listening for something is I, it's a purposeful listening versus just general listening. Because if I'm just listening, the analogy that I use is like if you're in a submarine, in this, I think they call the the sonographer, the person who's listening for like the other submarines. They're not just listening to sounds in the ocean, whales coming by, and they're listening for like this very specific sound of another submarine under the water because they can't see it, but they're listening for that specific thing. Journalists do that, and they do it really good. Journalists do it really well. When you start to listen to conversations like you're a journalist, imagine if at the end of a conversation you had to write a story about the conversation. Your listening's different. So it's not just like, oh, I'm just listening and not. No, you actually find, oh, this is what we're talking about. This is, the, this is the main thing that's driving this conversation. And it could be a conversation about anything. People talk and then you're like, oh. And then the listening starts to change because you discover, oh, that's actually what the person's talking about versus just going on and on and on and talking about a lot of different things. So the listening can actually change the conversation. I was, as you were speaking, I was imagining this uh, fun exercise, you know, where like as you're speaking right now, that I then create a story out of this conversation and then share it back. You know, often we, we know that sharing stories helps people to listen to us, right? And what you're talking about is listening for the story. That's exactly right. It's what, what is, if, if you had to create a headline or a title of the story, when you listen, you're listening for the title. What is the title of our conversation today? I had a conversation with somebody yesterday. What's the title of that conversation? And you have a purpose now to listen versus just generally. That changes. There's an exercise that I did with her in one of our classes. at the. In, and I started a company called The Brief Lab. And I wrote a book called Brief about the value of concise communication. That helps the listener quite a bit, actually, if you're more concise and more clear. If you're, if you're talk too much and you're unclear, it makes listening very difficult. And that was one of the reasons I wrote the book. So I started this business called The Brief Lab, and I teach people how to communicate. And one of the things I discovered that listening was something I never even thought about, the power of. So we do exercises to teach people how to listen. 
And one of the exercises we do is we break people into two teams. So it's really funny. So you get like, imagine you have 20 people in a room. You tell 10 people, get up and leave the room. Close the door. And you have 10 people in the room. Okay, you tell the people in the room, all right, you're going to have a conversation for 10 minutes with the person outside. Each person is going to have a, a partner. A pair, they're going to pair. And I want you to listen for a first, a first time that you went to, on a plane or the first job that you had or your first memory when you're a human being or the first thing you do every day. But but when you do this conversation, the, don't, don't indicate to the person that you're looking for that. But just when the opportunity presents itself, start asking questions that would get of them to talking about that. So then I, I bring the teams back and then they have a conversation. And the people outside don't have any idea what the purpose of the exercise is, other than we're just going to have a conversation for 10 minutes. I've done this exercise a number of times and this is what happens. At the end of the conversation, I ask people, how did you feel in that conversation? And the people that were outside that came in, they're like, that was a great conversation. I felt like, I, you know, I didn't know what they were looking for. I just, it was very enjoyable. And I asked people, do you know what they were looking for? The, and the answer is never. They never understood. But the person who was in the, the, doing the listening felt like they had a responsibility to keep the conversation going. The person who came with the outside was enjoying the conversation because the person was interested. But they weren't looking for something specifically, but they were looking for like, there was like a, almost like a category. And what I learned in that exercise was that the effect of that is people enjoy conversations when people are listening. But often they don't listen because there's nothing, they have no purpose. For, like, what am I listening for? So you have to give yourself like, what's the title? That was that was a trick that that we, I, I learned early on. It's like, give me a title of that conversation. What was the point of that conversation? And I love the this to give the listeners the purpose of listening for a first, because sometimes we're looking, we go into a conversation, we're listening for something specific, like a piece of information or something, but which can be very valuable, but we might miss out on some other things. But listening for a first, you're kind of scanning, <laughs> scanning what's going on. And you're, you're in this discovery process of like a treasure of something dif you know, different. So that makes it probably, first of all, you probably listen to more things than you would otherwise. And second of all, it makes that discovery process more interesting and more fun. When you give a purpose, it does. It doesn't make it easy. It makes it easier. <laughs> so one of the things that people have, one of the struggles that people have with listening is it's difficult. And, and it is. It depends. If you're listening to something interesting, it's easy. And if you look at listening to something which is complicated and messy and confusing, and in my world, long-winded, verbose, complicated, too many words, it makes listening very difficult. So the, one of the other discoveries that I, I made was listening is not a feeling. It's a decision. If I'm basing my listening how I feel, I'm going to listen very little. I'm only going to listen to things that I that interest me. Well, in a professional and personal context, people that you're talking to have other interests. So I'm only going to listen to them if I feel like it? No. I mean, one of the things that I tell the people in my classes is it's your job. A part of your professional responsibility is to listen because your colleagues, your boss, your customers, these people are telling you things, but you're not even listening because you don't feel like it. The decision to be interested is a decision more than a feeling. That for people looks like, oh, I decide to do that. I don't feel like, even if I don't feel like doing it. It's difficult. Yeah, of course it's difficult. But journalists do it. If they have a bad day, they still listen. Therapists, people listen. If they have a bad day. They don't stop listening. And as you were speaking, it's not, 
just the decision to listen. It's the decision to be interested, which is very different because people can listen a lot of different ways. And I remember a conversation I had with someone who had come to one of the listening communication workshops and he was in technology. He was a tech engineer. And he said, you know, I realized I don't listen to respond even, or I don't listen. There's this thing. I don't listen to understand, or do you listen to understand or do you listen to respond? He goes, I don't even think I listen to respond. I listen to judge. (laughs) And he didn't realize it before. So I'm always evaluating right, wrong, good, bad. And that really shifts. That's a little bit different than being interested. It's like I'm doing like the the whole thing of like, all right, I'm listening to respond. I'm listening to correct. I'm listening to judge. I'm listening to approve. I'm listening to finish the conversation. I mean, there's some people who just listen like, how can I get out of this conversation? <laughs> how can I what's, just get this done? <laughs> what's my exit ramp in this conversation? I want to get out of this conversation. All that makes listening a superpower when people learn how to, and it's a skill like reading. When you read, I mean, I was an English literature major in, in, in university and I, and I read a lot and I read a lot of things that were boring. I had some of my best naps and sleeping when I was in, when I was studying, because it was just reading Chaucer and Shakespeare. It's just boring. A lot of it's just boring. I had to like really focus my attention on what are they saying and what are the characters doing. Listening is the same way. They don't, but the problem is they don't teach it in school. So you have to kind of, you have to learn it. So the what I love about your podcast is that people learning how to do this, it's a super hard because so few people do it well. And one of the things that I tell people is think about how many people you know that are really good listeners. That list is very, very small. If you could be one of those people, you're immediately one of the most interesting people. And I read this quote years ago in a magazine, airline magazine. It was so interesting. The quote was, it's better to be interested than interesting. So if I'm interested in the conversation, now I become interesting. Because if I'm interested in you, now I'm interesting. I didn't say anything about myself. I'm just more interested. People aren't interested. If you're interested, it comes from listening. You're now interesting. So it's better to be interested than interesting was the quote. But it's difficult. I think for a lot of people, the, the, the curve is just how do I get, how do I make it not difficult? I think that just takes time. Yeah, opinion. it takes time and, and practice and finding different techniques and also understanding the conditions that you need to be able to do it well. Like, for example, if I'm tired, I am not a great listener. So I know I need a good night's sleep. Or if it's something important, I don't want to do it late at night. That's not the best time for me to really give you my attention in the way that I know that I can. You know, so even as simple as po- as those types of things make a big difference and trying to set the conditions. Yeah, I mean, it's like there are moments that are like that are better than others and, and certainly topics and triggers and things. One of the things that I had learned, I wrote it in the book Brief and then also in the book Noise that I wrote after that, was this thing called the elusive 600. So many years ago, this consultant shared this term. And I'm like, what is that? She she explained it like this. The brain processes consciously and subconsciously at a rate of 750 words per minute. People speak at about 150 words per minute. So if you do the math, 750 minus 150 is 600. So there are 600 words consciously and subconsciously that float around my head while I'm listening. So I'm hearing the 150, but those 600 words are elusive. So one of the things we teach is that you have to manage when you're communicating people's elusive 600, but it's also present when you're listening. So I'm listening and words can trigger my thoughts to go. So there's discipline in my brain to 
oh, this person said this word that's going to trigger me to change the subject of the conversation. I'm not going to do that. There's, I'm listening to correct. Well, I'm not going to do that because that's going to change. I'll give you a short story of this that was um, super interesting when it happened. One of my colleagues is a retired colonel. He's a really, really special, he's a very elite leader. So we're at a meeting and we're talking, I do a lot of work with the Department of Defense in the United States. So in addition to corporations. So we're in this meeting and there's three of us. It's my colleague, the client and me. So the client and I know each other. We've known each other for years. And my colleague, Jamie is his name, is new to the is new to the conversation. So he shows up to the conversation. In this conversation, the leader, this leader, mentions the name of an organization that Jamie was the co-founder of. Naturally, in a moment like that, you would think, and a person's listening, instinctively, the person would go, oh, I, I started that organization. Well, he said it, and Jamie, I'm pretty perceptive. Jamie didn't say anything. He let him keep on talking. And then he said the name of the organization the second time, and he still didn't say anything. Then the, con- the conversation continued. And then he said it for the third time, and he still didn't say anything. The conversation continued, and we ended it, and we shook hands, and we left. We walked outside, and I couldn't help myself. I'm like, wait, before we get to the car, why didn't you say anything when he mentioned three times the name of the organization that you founded? And this is what he said to me. He said, if I'd said something, it would have changed the direction of the conversation. He was talking about something that he cared about. And if I said something, now in the elusive 600, in those 600 words, what he was doing was being very intentional about how he was listening and how he was responding. And one of the things he was saying to himself was, no, good listening comes from a person's discipline to say no sometimes. I'm going to bite my tongue and say nothing. Or when I'm responding, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to choose what I, people don't do that. They just do it instinctively. They don't even think about it. And that term, the elusive 600, helped me because it gave a name for like what my brain is doing while I'm listening. It helps people a lot of times just like, oh, I have this thing. It's elusive. And it's kind of like a squirrel and it's running around the attic of my house and all that is can be very helpful. But people understand like it's normal that your brain is going in a million different directions. I'd love to take this because I didn't know it was called that. I use this a lot. And I the statistic in terms of understanding how and why our minds will wander whether I'm a listener and I got to pay attention to and bring it back to the speaker, or if this is where I want to come back to your book, if I'm speaking, I know that my audience or the person I'm speaking to, the chances that their minds will wander is very, very high. And that's why it's so important to be very clear about what my intention is and what I want them to take with them when they leave this room and maybe find ways to bring that across in a couple of different ways because their minds might wander and they might miss out on what I've just said or this important piece of information. In your books, I'm going to put them into two piles, even though they, I know they do different things, but they're connected. You know, you have the one book that's called Brief, and that's where you help people to think about how to speak in a way that has more impact by saying less than more, you know, because sometimes we ramble on. So very intentional, very conscious, and also taking the audience into the consideration or whoever the person is. So there's a certain level of work to be done (laughs) to understand your audience, right? And then now over time, this thing about all the noise that's going on and recognizing that we have at work, even people are going from meeting to meeting since the pandemic, there's not even that break to walk from office to office, you know, anymore. They're not giving themselves that break. And then how do you work when things are just, our brains are full and there's so much input and people are really having this challenge to focus. So with, with that in mind, you know, I get a lot of questions from our listeners about 
you know, how, how do I get senior management to listen to us? Or how do I get a senior manager that's more aggressive <laughs> to, to listen to me? Or we had this conversation and I had to have it three times and they're still not following through. You know? Give the listeners a little bit of a feeling of some important components on how to help people to listen to us. So imagine, imagine you're talking to a client or your boss or something. And so first and foremost, your responsibility is to, is to manage how they hear you. So I'm going to say things in a way that makes it easier for them to listen to me. So the first thing is my responsibility. Their brain is elusive. Their minds are on a million different things. And then I come into the conversation and I have to make it easier for them to listen to me. Well, one of the ways to do that is to say the most important thing first. What happens is in a conversation, let's say that my, my boss says, okay, well, how was your trip? And then I start giving him a lot of fact, her a lot of facts. Okay, well, I did this and I did that. Well, he's listening, may not be listening for anything. He's just listening. And at some point he starts to get tired. What if I said the most important thing first, which was, how was your trip? It was really productive. Or it was incredibly painful or it was not what I expected. I'm saying the most important thing first, and that's managing his or her listening at that moment, right away, like right away, I'm saying what the, the big, big thing first, and then why right after. What I find is, I'll, I'll give you a, like a, a, a simple but silly example of this. When I wrote Brief, I got an email from, from somebody in London, and he, long story short, said, could you train our leadership team on how to be concise and clear? And I'm like, absolutely. So I flew from the States to London. What's naturally the first question he's going to ask me when I get off the plane? How was your trip? So I could say, well, there's 250 people on the plane, and then I had a ham sandwich, and then I had a cup of coffee, and I'm tired. But then I thought, what's the most important thing? Can I, can I say like something to get his attention right away? And then I said, because it was true, I said it was, unevent it was completely uneventful until the end. I and then I'm like, a, okay, what, what happened? happened? <laughs> exactly. Well, we can do that because if we recognize that, like you just said, that people's minds are wandering, that they have an elusive 600, that is very difficult. Well, my job is to do that. So one of the things is give me the point, the headline first. And that's one of the, that's one of the tricks. You can actually manage people's listening, direct it. So when you're working with leadership and, and teaching them how to be clear and concise, what is it that surprises the people that you work with the most? What surprises them about what you're teaching them? Well, one of the things is that nobody's listening to them, really. I mean, if you think about leaders and in, in different positions of authority and responsibility, all of them think that they're clear communicators. But if you talk to the people that are that they're communicating to, their subordinates, their, their, their team, et cetera. Very, very few of them find them interesting, clear. It's, it's confusing. Why? Why is that the case? Well, number one is people are coming into that conversation already saturated. Leaders think that I'm talking to, let's say they're, they're on a conference call, like a Zoom call with 20 people, that it's all, they're all like an empty glass and they're all just like ready to listen and hearing every word they're saying. And I'm like, no, they don't hear, like their minds are in a million different places. They're worrying about like their kids or like they got to catch, catch a train or, so first of all, they're thinking like, I've got their undivided attention. No, how would you talk to a person if you had their divided attention, if they were scarce in their interest? People think that, they're, that, pe they're, that people are listening to them. They're not, that's the first thing that surprises them. And one of the things that I tell them is, 
you have to make sure that you prepare before you communicate. Now, that sounds obvious, but people don't do it because they're so busy. So now there's this like, all right, I'm communicating in a noisy world. There's a lot of distractions and disruptions. I need to be clear and on point, but I don't take time to prepare myself. So now I start talking and I'm saying, it just sounds like noise to me. If I'm the listener, it just sounds like noise. It's, like, it's just more noise. So that, I think, is one of the things that surprised me is that people aren't really listening. Well, they have to do something afterwards. That's very dangerous. You just gave them a direction, and now they don't know what to do, but they're all going, okay, that makes sense to me. And then they're thinking, well, they're, they've listened to every word I said. No, they haven't. They know what to do. No, they don't. And then they hope for the best. <laughs> <laughs> and that's why you wonder why there's problems afterwards. <laughs> oh, there's massive problems because nobody's really listening because the speaker didn't do anything to make it easier. Can you imagine if we could just shorten all the meetings, have less of them, do be clear and concise in, in a shorter period of time or have time to think about it, do shorter ones, have more time to think and use the time together to like nice uh, collaborative moments. <laughs> It's, it, that's, that's, it's like, that is like what, what business and organizations are all about. It's like when those moments happen, they should be amazing. I, I make an analogy like, a, a, I love meetings that are designed in advance with an agenda. I love them because they're great conversations about important topics. What I hate and what most people hate is meetings with no agendas. They don't, they start late, they end late. One person's talking, nobody's listening. I mean, that's that's like going to a dinner party with one person's eating and everybody's waiting. Right. <laughs> like that sounds just like a nightmare. So me meetings are in there are these important moments, but one of the things that I've, you know, when I wrote brief, brief is about concise communication. Okay, if I'm speaking to a very distracted audience, I gotta be concise. Not because I don't want people to talk. I do want people to talk, but I want to make sure that the message gets delivered in a way that makes it easier for the listener to hear it. Then when I wrote noise, I started writing about the environment of how hard it is to communicate and think in a noisy world with smartphones and technology and information never stops. Then that journey leads me to, to discover quiet. Now, quiet exists in listening where I can quiet my mind and actually have a conversation with another person where I can actually hear what they're saying. Well, part of that is because there's no quiet in my life, personal and professional. It's very difficult because there's noise in my head. I can't even listen to a person. So I started thinking about the role of quiet in what the conclusion that I came to is there's a time for collaboration meetings and there's a time where people should just stop talking. It's an and, it's not an or. So I can, because I do one clear thinking, now I can be better collaboration. There, there, that doesn't exist in the business world. People just talk all the time. That's not good. It's very, very difficult to listen and to people just talking all the time. And, you know, I hear often in with co coaching clients or in workshops, people are yearning for time to think. They're really yearning for the space and time to think. Even leadership, like, oh, I need to do this. And so they'll try to block time. And then people see it's only them in that meeting and they'll take it over. You know, they'll like schedule things anyway. <laughs> you know, like I've had people who say they have to say that they're out of the office in order to schedule that time to think for themselves because it's not respected and not valued. And, but it is so important. And then you think of all the decisions that are being made based on non-thoughtful things. I don't know, without it's, people well, it's, being it's, thoughtful. That's exactly right. People are thoughtless because thoughtless they don't have thinking. time to think. They don't have time to think. Well, one of the things is about listening, for as obvious as it may sound, is am I listening to myself? 
if I if I well, I, I did a, a course recently in and I asked them, okay, in the next sixty days, what's the biggest challenge you face in the next sixty days? Give yourself ten minutes of quiet to think about it. People don't even think. So I, how do I know if the biggest challenge and you don't know you haven't had time to think about it? You have to. And I, my conclusion is, it's an appointment. It's not a technique. Quiet is not a technique. It's an appointment. Schedule it, but don't cancel it, and don't let people cancel it. It's like an appointment, like any other appointment, like going to the dentist, having a meeting. It's an appointment. You schedule the appointment for ten minutes. Think about that thing for ten minutes, and then you're done. Like before, I did this uh, interview this morning. Um, today, I schedule quiet to think about your questions and the things we're going to talk about to make it a better conversation. And if I didn't, it would have been different. Yeah, they run for. I was I was talking to someone also this morning, and uh, she realized that she was missing some of this time to think, and also missing time for herself. And then I thought, well, combine it. You know, schedule yourself a little walk before you have your meeting that you have to think about. So you walk and think. <laughs> And that's really actually pro really good for thinking when you walk. It helps our, our, you know, we get our circulation going, our brain, you know, the, the juices in our brains are working better. And then, you know, give yourself some time to write your thoughts down and stuff, but then you're ready for that conversation. And so you can combine the two. When people don't do that, I think one of the, the questions they should ask, people should ask themselves is, why am I canceling that appointment so quickly? Why, why am I running from it? Like I did it for years. I ran from it because I felt like work meant to be busy and to run on. Yes, there are collaboration and there's work to be done and I've got to get things done. Of course, of course. But there's also time to think about, okay, well, what am I going to say? Who am I talking to? What do they care about? You know, one of the things that when you talk about a leader is understanding what their motivations are, what they care about. Well, that comes from listening. It comes from thinking about them. I've had conversations with them. They've said things to me. I've thought about it. And I now know what matters to them, what's important to them. Well, if I know what's important to somebody, then I know what to say versus guessing what to say. Well, that comes to you. Just give, you have to give yourself time to think about it. It's about being thoughtful. It's about being thoughtful, like thinking about things that matter. Like I'm going to do some reading and I'm going to do some thinking. I'm going to make a decision. I'm going to do some preparation. I'm going to I'm going to do nothing for five minutes just to sort of get my head right before I have a conversation. All of it factors into making people, giving people the conditions you said earlier about being a better listener. You know, if you're tired, well, I'm, I'm, I, I need to rest more before I have that conversation. I'm going to have an important conversation with somebody at late at night and I'm really tired. Probably should do that another time. Right. Just briefly go through the structure on how to put together a message that gives, that helps people listen to you at ease. You know, you, I think you use the brief structure. So yeah. Here's how you do it. The first thing a person needs to do is they need to give some, they, they need to provide time to think about it and prepare it. So I'm going to use an example of making a recommendation. Okay, so I'm going to talk to a person and I'm going to make a recommendation. Like I have an idea that can help the organization or I have an idea to help our house or family. Whatever. Okay, the first thing they need to do is they need to take quiet to prepare it to get there, to think about it. Then in that preparation, what this is the order of what I call it, a, like a brief executive, like a brief summary. The first thing is, what is the recommendation? I'm recommending that we take two family vacations a year, not one. Say the most important thing first. Then why? Why do I think I need that? We need to do that. And have a couple of points there. And then a so what? So what, let's think about when in the year we can do that, and let's talk about that in a couple of days. 
but I need to prepare that. What I'm doing is I'm making it easier for the person to hear the recommendation. Now, in that recommendation, I'm going to be thinking about what is the role of the person in that conversation? Uh, maybe I'm telling a person, like, I'm going to make a recommendation. I would love to get your feedback or your thoughts. Maybe it's I don't want anything right now. I just want them to hear it. Like, I'm going to tell you, but you don't need to do anything. Or maybe I want you to make a decision. Those are three different roles. Now, I'm going to, I do that because I'm thinking before I actually have the conversation. So it comes across like, I'm going to make a recommendation about how we're going to have a holiday party, how to make our holiday party better. The reason why we're doing this is because we haven't had a holiday party for the last three years. And you don't need to do anything right now because I, I haven't finished the planning. But I want to tell you that I'm thinking about it. Now the person knows what you're talking about, why you're telling them, what they need to do. And then the conversation can be clearer and shorter. If they do that, you've just managed the person's listening. Yeah, because sometimes you're doing that and they think they have to be a part of the planning process. And then like, no, because they don't have time. But actually, they don't have anything they need to do at that moment. You have to tell a person what the role in the conversation. One of the biggest things that's missing in conversations that makes it difficult to listen is you haven't told the person their role in the conversation. Roles change. I might need to hear what you think. Sometimes I don't want you to say anything. I just want you to hear me. Sometimes I want you to give me advice or make a decision. Those are different roles. But if I don't tell you what the role is, I don't know what my role is. So I'll give you a, a silly example, but it was painful. There was a, a, a client of mine that went in to complain to his boss about not getting promoted. Okay. So he goes in the office. He goes, I just need to talk to you. And he goes on. He talks about Everybody's been promoted, but I've not been promoted. I've been here for five years, et cetera. And in the conversation, the boss stops and says, okay, what do you want me to do? And he says, I, I don't know. And then he walked and then he's like, he, he never thought about it. What do I want the person to do in this conversation? He was just thinking like, I'm going to tell him what the problem is. But he is like, but what, what is his, what is his role in the conversation? Nothing. Well, the person's listening. Like I can fix this problem. He's like, what do you want me to do? I, I don't know. So Good conversation, yes. Bad conversation, yes. Tell me what my role is. We think about what we don't want, but we don't always think about what we do want. What is it that we really want? Tell people what you want. If you're, if you're like, for example, if you're having a conversation with a person and you have something which is, hey, listen, I haven't really thought about this and it's kind of complicated. Now you're telling a person like, you haven't even prepared. So listen like, this is a hot mess. This is difficult. This is, I haven't even thought about it. But if I didn't say that, you're like, okay, this is confusing. That little additive can change how you listen. People don't do that. It's in that moment that it can you can make it easier for people to listen, it, but it does take time. So prepare it first, and then say the big the big idea first, and then why, and then what do you want them to do, and and maybe maybe that could be a, like a, a simple formula to manage people's listening somehow. You're touching on a lot of different important points. This point in terms of really the importance of having time to think. And to actually, that's that should be part of your day-to-day -day scheduling. That's for all of us, having that time and how you do it, whether you're sitting, whether you're writing, whether you're walking. But what is it where you have time to just think about things? And and it could be that sometimes there's, you have people that you reach out to, to think out loud with. You know, that's part of that time to think. And then in pre preparation for these conversations, whether you're giving a presentation, whether you're preparing for a meeting, whether you want to talk to your boss or complain or give feedback, to really think, you know, what's, What's my intention and what is the action that I want to be taken by the person I'm speaking to? What's the, what are they, what's their role? What is it? Do I want them just to listen to me? Do I want them, do I need some advice? Do I need a decision made? You know, what is it that I really want out of this? 
in the moment and maybe in the long term. I think sometimes people don't think about the long term. They're only thinking about whether I'm right in this relation in this moment, but what about the relationship or the promotion long term, right? And then to have a structure that makes it easy for people to listen to you. So they're more likely to lean forward or to pay attention in that moment where there's a lot going on. That for me was like when I started seeing that, how people would structure that and how they would prepare it and how it changes people's listening was incredibly powerful for me because I started seeing that you can actually change how a person listens to you and you can manage their listening, realizing that listening is difficult. And if I say it differently, it can make it easier for them to listen. It's very, very, it's super considerate. It's respectful, but you're doing the person a favor. They have to have conversations with people all day long. If you're the one person that makes it easier, they're going to notice. And that's why it's, that's why, that's why I love the title. It's like, it's a superpower. If (laughs) I can communicate in that way, it makes listening for that person. Now that I've given that person a superpower, I actually gave them the power of listening. So this is really important because often people who want people to listen to them, how do I get them to listen to me? But it's actually as even as list or speakers in both sides, whether you're the listener or the speaker, you have a responsibility to support that conversation working as best as possible. You know, and there's different ways of doing that. And it takes both. And so just expect the other person to either listen to you and yet you have not made it easy for them or easier for them or find out what they needed to be able to listen to you. And at the same time, if you want someone to listen to you to le- to ask for what you need, you know, what is it that you really need? Yeah. hundred percent. So that those, those are just some things like if I connect like the work that I've done with brief is about concise communication, noise is about the environment that's so noisy. And then I start going into this quiet works program or the quiet workplaces, this vision of like the role of quiet in our lives to start thinking more before we have conversations and listen starts to create this, like, I can be more like an intentional communicator, intentional listener, intentional communicator, but I have to, I have to start realizing the correlation between how I talk to people and how they listen to me, how, how much noise is in that world becomes kind of a clear, clear thinking leads to concise communication, leads to better conversations is the, it is fascinating. I, and I, I, I realize that People do this all day long and it's so easy. It's so easy for people to over-communicate, miscommunicate, misinform, and and confuse people. And if they just took time to prepare more, it would make it easier for people to listen to them. So you've you've described a beautiful journey of of what you became aware of and started working with and that how it's evolved but yet built upon each other. And if you were to um, give some advice to your young professional, you know, you're, maybe you're just out of university or you're just starting your professional career. If you were to give your younger self some advice in terms of what you know now that you didn't realize back then, what would it be? You can practice this every day with people without them even knowing it. It's not just a work thing. It's a, it's a life thing. So you just have better conversations. So think about the quality of my conversations that I have with people every day the end of the conversation, let's say you're talking on the phone or you're talking with a person, imagine that as soon as that conversation's over, five minutes later, you have to write a story about what you talked about. The quality of that conversation changes because now you have a responsibility in that conversation and you can practice this by being interested, asking questions about like, why did you do that? And like journalists do that, like there's a curiosity and just having better conversations and you develop the skill of listening 
purposeful listening, but you do it all the time. And you are now, ironically, the most interesting person because you don't you don't make yourself first. You make the other person first. That, I think, is like if you do that over time, the world becomes a better place for sure. But people, things get done. Things get heard. It's just better conversations. Practice that outside of work, having coffee, glass of wine, whatever. And if it's bad, you know, it didn't go well, that's okay. That's, then just do it again. Have a better conversation the next day. People are fascinating. At the end of the day, human beings are fascinating. So I, you meet people, don't write them off. Like everybody's interesting. Find out why, what, you know, be interested in them. And that's for, for me what I would do. So if you want our listeners to have one takeaway, you know, that, one message or one big takeaway for them, you know, what would that be? Well, the title of your podcast is Listening Superpower. I would say that listening is a gift best given in the moment. I call it present listening. And it's playing on the word present, like I'm in the moment, but I'm giving the present, this gift. If you give the person the gift of your undivided attention, it's incredibly valuable. It's, the, it's a gift. Give the person another person the gift of your listening, even if it's difficult for you. And it makes their life better. That's what I would tell people. Listening is a gift best given in the moment. Um, is there anything that I haven't asked you that you would like me to ask you? Not really. I, we've talked about a lot of things. I think that people just realize that this is something that don't be don't be hard on yourself and just be like, oh, I'm terrible. It's like this is what you you'll learn it over time. You'll get better. And there's no getting perfect at it. You just always get better at it. And sometimes you're terrible at it. Understand why. And then just go back at it and just do it again the next day. So it's like it's not about like getting a 10 out of 10. Well, I really recommend our listeners um, to check out Joe's books. They're really, really valuable and will help you, especially in the business world. And we'll put the links into the podcast. Um, how can people get in touch with you, Joe, if they want to? Uh, so there are two with... web addresses that are easiest to find. One is thebrieflab.com, which is where we teach our courses on brief. And then the other was a noise. It's called thequietworkplace.com. And there's some challenges about incorporating quiet into your day and making it, you know, uh, uh, some challenges to make it really simple and part of your, an integral part of your of your of your workday. Well, it was such a pleasure to have you on the Listening Superpower podcast, and um, yeah, I'm really happy you were here today. The pleasure is mine. You have just enjoyed your Listening Superpower podcast, where we dive into how to work smarter and feel better at work and at home. This is an independent show, so please show your support by subscribing, leaving a five-star review, and telling your friends. Also, if you or somebody you know has experienced Listening Superpowers being put into practice, email me at listeningsuperpower at gmail.com or send a voicemail at plus four nine one seven three two three four zero seven two two if you want your team to grow their listening superpowers you can find more information at listeningalchemy.com i'm your host raquel arc thank you for listening thank you cecilia mercado for your amazing podcast production Dorta Streicher for your impactful artwork and evo Tiemann for your inspiring music it's been fun and see you guys on the next episode.